Our gospel does indeed come from St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, and can be found on page 1540 of your pew Bible. Matthew records, At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. Today is the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, with the last Sunday in the church year coming soon. And typically, as we progress towards the last weeks of the year, the message is a message of coming judgment. However, that is not where the gospel for this week takes us. It takes us not to the judgment, but to the wait for the judgment or at least for the coming of the end. The message is not specifically about the division of the sheep and the goats, for example. That is the gospel for the last Sunday in the church year. That message, that message will be about the judgment promised. But today, our theme is, and so we wait. The gospel is not, this gospel is not, strictly speaking, a parable. It is an extended analogy. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to is the way Jesus introduced the story, 
but like a parable, not every detail is significant. Not every detail is significant. Nor is everything about the kingdom of heaven like the story. Actually, Jesus is comparing something very specific. He is comparing the weight. The weight. Jesus is the bridegroom. We get that. He is comparing the weight for the parousia, which is the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, to a familiar social custom of his day in Israel. And that, enti- that in- well, there was a wait. The wait for the wedding party, and especially for the bridegroom to arrive and the wedding festivi- festivities to begin. We speak of the kingdom of heaven as the wedding feast of the Son of God to his bride, the church. So you can see the, the connection here. Our weight, then, is likened to the weight of the virgins for the, the bridegroom to arrive at the wedding. They just didn't know when he was coming, but they needed to be ready. The similarity is not in the numbers waiting or in the inequality of the wise versus the foolish. There were five of each, right? Or the relationship of the virgins to the ceremonies of that time. Those are all details he puts in, but that isn't what this is about. The likeness to the kingdom is the weight is the weight. We are, after all, the bride. We are not merely onlookers or those invited to share the celebration and then the return home. The wedding is ours, and the eternity of joy belongs to us by grace. The similarity is not to be found in the oil for the lamps, even though we often talk about our witness to the Lord as being our light, or we may sing about this little gospel light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. The truth is, we bring nothing to the party. Jesus brings us, and he provides all that we need. He provides faith, hope, the Holy Spirit, salvation, and whatever else is part of our wedding feast. So again, the similarity is the weight. It's the weight. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to respond again. Like the coming of the bridegroom in the story, the return of our Lord to bring this age to its conclusion is delayed. And it's longer than anyone could have expected. We can be glad. We can be glad for that too. So if it had come when it was first expected, we would not have been born. And we would not have any part in the everlasting life Jesus has prepared 
for those whom he has called to himself. And now that we are part of the story, we sometimes become impatient with the wait. You've heard me say, check please. I'm done. And while that is easy to understand, we have to remember how good it is that the patience of the Lord waited for us and understand that he has others to whom he delays the end, that they too might find their place in his grace. And so we wait. But the wait must be borne. Just as the virgins in the story began to fall asleep as they waited, we sometimes, well, we lose our focus, don't we? The world around us is very real and very inviting. Some might even say demanding. And many people lose their focus on things like money and pleasure or pain, sorrow, or success, or failure, opportunity, or whatnot. All of these things are beckoning. The world says you got to get busy living or get busy dying. You don't want to be so heavenly-minded that you are no earthly good. I have said and rather have had that saying thrown at me more than once. It becomes all too easy to say to ourselves that since Jesus has not returned in over 2,000 years, there's no real reason to expect him tomorrow. I can feather my bed right here and now and get ready for death and heaven later. Now the problem with that Well, the problem with that is that that is unbelief. Jesus said he is coming. And he's coming on a day and at an hour when you don't expect him. Jesus may not come this week and he may not end the world this week. He may just come for you and end your participation in it. And of course, he could come And he could end the whole shooting match tomorrow if he wanted to. You just never know until he comes. And the point of the comparison here, the point of the comparison is that you need to be ready for the wait. And the foolish virgins in the gospel lesson were foolish because they did not prepare for the possibility of the wait being longer than they expected. They failed to prepare for the wait. And when the bridegroom came, they found themselves coming up short. The oil for their lamps, as we read, was their preparation. But our preparation isn't oil. Our preparation is to focus on the Word. Our preparation is our faithfulness. Our preparation is a stubborn insistence that the doctrine that you come and have proclaimed to you to be a pure and and, and practiced 
of reinforcement of the faith. And it must not undermine what we believe. The proclamation must not treat the Word of God as some silly, archaic, meant something then, but it's different now because the world's different now kind of thing. The Word of God is not meaningless nostalgia. It is truth. And in another place, Jesus told the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. Do you remember that one? He, he told that to teach that we should always keep praying and never lose heart. And at the conclusion, Jesus promised that God would surely bring justice for his people. And then he ended the lesson with the words, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Our preparation for the wait must be steadfastness and clinging to faith. Never surrendering hope, never losing sight of the promises of God, and continuing to live in the light of love and grace of our Lord. When Jesus returns, or when he calls you out of this life to himself in eternity, there will be no more opportunity to set things right or to get your head straight or to get right with God or any of those other euphemisms that people employ to avoid, to avoid talking about the, the reality of life and death and the hereafter. And just as the foolish virgins missed the party because they were out buying oil for their lamps at the wrong time. The people who come to the end of life here or to judgment at the end time without faith will find that there just isn't a second chance. They will hear the same sad statement the foolish ones heard at the door of the wedding feast when they arrived too late those words are agonizing to hear and to say, I'm sure for the Father who loves us. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. The message of our gospel lesson is clear. And Jesus said it quite directly. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. We are to be ready for the delay and be ready for the call to come immediately because you just never know until that call comes and then it is too late to make preparations. All of this is magnified by the gospel truth that God would have all men to be saved and that salvation is the gift of God. There is no earning or deserving, just the free gift of grace. You know, you've heard it and you've said it yourself, Jesus died for our redemption and God announces the free gift of forgiveness and life 
in the proclamation of the gospel wherever faithful preachers proclaim his word. The task of those who wait is simply to hold fast to the good news and to trust in God to be who he says he is and to do all that he has promised to do. Like the virgins in the story, all there is to do is wait in faith, hoping and looking forward and trusting in God. We may be tempted to forget. Some people, they quit going to church. And if you ask them, well, that's an uncomfortable question, but if you ask them, they will generally tell you that they still believe. Most times they don't because Christians are drawn by the Holy Spirit to worship and to fellowship at the church. They think they believe because they are not aware of any change in how they think or feel. But faith is not merely a feeling. Faith involves thought, but it is not just a set of attitudes. Now, people may not notice any difference in themselves because, well, perhaps they never did actually believe, but for the most, for most, it is the result of a slow dissipation of faith, slowly being compromised, slowly taking on the attitudes of the people around you, and instead of being the salt of the earth, they become that flavorless stuff that Jesus once said is worth being cast out and being tread underfoot. Remember, remember that faith is the work of the Holy Spirit within you by means of word and sacrament. And if you forget the word and ignore the sacrament, the Spirit will eventually depart. And with him, faith. The foolish virgins were not evil. They weren't. They were just foolish. They simply made no preparations for the possibility that the wait may be longer than they expected. And their lamps slowly but inevitably burned through the fuel that they had in them, and the foolish ones had brought none extra, just in case. And the virgins did not dump the fuel out or leave their lamps behind. They simply were not prepared for the wait. Christians who do not pay attention to their faith, who do not deliberately seek to keep their faith in line with the Scriptures, and do not regulate their values with God's Word, end up being slowly conformed to the values and the doctrines of the unbelieving world in which they live, and of which most of their friends and their family often are. This is what Paul, roams, what Paul warns about in Romans 12, verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, 2,000 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, we cannot be surprised that the wait may be long. The larger challenge is to continue to maintain some sense of expectation. The time is long. The hour is late. We are, as Paul once wrote, nearer now to the last day than when we first believed. And as we draw nearer to the last Sunday in the church year, the message is twofold. Jesus is coming again, and we need to be alert and focused so that we can be ready when the call comes forth. That call that says, Behold, the bridegroom, come. Come out to meet him. And we want to be found aware and awake and still prepared. And so we, we wait. In the name of Jesus, I wait with you.